Hey everybody, Leah Slaughter. I hope you are doing well. I have to admit it feels a little bit wrong to be doing a class in light of what's going on right now. I don't know if you guys have been watching the news, but um, I've got it playing behind me here. But life has to go on despite all the chaos and craziness that 2020 and, and apparently 2021 is going to bring. So nothing better to do than talk about real estate. And so today I am going to go over the Houston market. And I'm gonna look at a few different things as we discuss where we are now and also how COVID has affected things. And so the biggest takeaway that I want you to have today is the resilience of Texas. I was on the radio yesterday talking about this and just how integral that is to hope and to know that we are moving past this crazy 10 months that we've all had. I've got some wonderful classes coming up this month. Next week, we're gonna do a class over the difference between our model and the buy, rehab, cash out, or refi model. I'm gonna look at direct cost comparisons of how it looks with one way and the other, and in the end, what you save, and also the benefit of the unique loan programs that we utilize and how I did my growth of my personal portfolio using this model. Uh, Number-wise, we ended out this last 12 months with about, I think, 72 units purchased somewhere around there in a 12-month period. So obviously, we're high volume, but the model that we use is what allowed us to build and to continue to do this, this method that we use. And so it's important that you understand why we recommend what we recommend if you're doing rehab properties. And then I'm going to go over the pros and cons of Fannie Mae lending. I've done a lot of classes talking about what Fannie Mae lending is and what commercial or portfolio lending is and how they differentiate from one another. I'm going to take a little bit of a different look at it this time as well, though, also pairing in what we saw with backed mortgages or Fannie Mae mortgages during the COVID crisis. And I think that it's fair to say that it's possible that we could see restrictions on these backed mortgages again. And I'm not saying because of COVID, but I mean, in general, we've set a precedence now of in times of crisis, they can tell us what we can do with a backed mortgage. And so we're going to look at in what world you still want to use that and in what world there's still a benefit of your Fannie Mae mortgage opportunities and how it looks different when you do commercial or portfolio lending. Because you can build a portfolio both ways. It's just about what fits for you and the current situation you're in. And there's so much more that goes into that, whether it's buying in a company name versus a personal name, whether it's about lower down, whether it's about being able to capitalize on equity as part of your down payment. And some of that may sound like a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but I promise I'm gonna go over it all in depth and help you understand how I make the decision personally and when I'm guiding you as to what type of lending we're gonna use for a deal. So before I get started, as always, I don't have a crystal ball. Everything I'm gonna talk about today is my best judgment recommendation and guidance based on years of experience, not only operating and running a real estate property management firm, but also as an investor myself. Of course, we do recommend that you consult with those people in your life who you trust. They are one tool in your toolbox, as are we. So that's your CPAs, your attorneys, your lenders, all those people who make up your team as you move forward through your real estate investment journey. Of course, I'm happy to help in whatever I can. And some of those boxes and some of those items, I have a little bit more knowledge in than others. But at the end of the day, I'm always gonna do my best to guide you. And I'll tell you very point blank if I don't know something, but I certainly will go find the answer. 
So let's start with how COVID is impacting Houston because it is impacting Houston. Houston was actually the hardest hit metro in the United States at one point. It is coming back great. The housing market really held up much better than other cities. What we tend to find in Houston, and stepping back from COVID for a minute, up until a few years ago, Houston has been completely energy dependent. And so it's been very cyclical. And a lot of you have asked me why I don't own in Houston. And that's been one of the reasons why is when oil does well and when energy does well, Houston does well. When those things do poorly, Houston historically did poorly. Now, the mass exodus from New York and California and other areas to Texas has done amazing things for Houston. And so the diversity in the market there has just been fantastic. And so Houston, I feel, is much more protected and more stabilized than what it was in the past. You know, those who invested in Houston in good times made a fortune, and those who invested in bad times lost money. And what we're seeing now is more of that stabilized market with massive business coming in, just like we see in DFW. And we're even starting to see a lot of those changes in San Antonio, which is extremely exciting because San Antonio has been kind of stuck in the 90s for a while. And so we're very excited to see that growth and opportunity happening for San Antonio. And there's a lot of talk of potential movement military-wise into San Antonio. And so we're very excited and hopeful that they're gonna continue to see growth as well. Um, I will be doing another class on San Antonio sometime in the near future once I get through the class schedule we have scheduled for right now. So if we look at November, 2019 and November, 2020, you'll notice that property sales are up significantly. A lot more property changing hands, but the number of active listings has plummeted by almost a third. You'll also notice that the average sales price is up 15% and inventory is down a month and a half. So the average days on market is two months in the middle of a pandemic. Pretty incredible. So November 2020 was almost 8,000 homes sold and 6,300 approximate were sold November of 2019. That's actually a 25% increase, just sheer number to number. And that's the sixth month of positive sales growth for Houston. Pretty incredible in light of what we've been experiencing the last 10 months. At homes three quarters of a million or above, there's been an almost 89% increase. That tells you how many millionaires and how many people are moving into the area with wealth. Again, that goes back to this massive relocation that's happening from extremely wealthy areas coming into Texas where you can live much richer. So, you know, where they're coming from, a $750,000 home may be a 1,400 square foot 1960s home. Well, here, that's a mansion. So, huge difference. The average price of single families is up 15% overall. The median price increased 12%. And as of the beginning of December, year-to-date sales were 9% above 2019, with still a month to go. So pretty incredible numbers. Now, when we look here, you're going to see that the days on market is down to 46. Inventory is only 2.2 months. It was 3.6 months in 2019. The national average is holding at about two and a half months. So this is a chart here you'll see speaking to single family, which are the numbers we're talking about here. Now, let's look at sales. 
so on the left I've got single family and on the right I've got townhouse townhouse and condominium sales so essentially we're looking at individually owned multifamily units and single family units and what you're going to see both is this positive trend upward now this starts at the end of 2015 and so you'll really see how it's been steady growth every single year but then you're going to see a peak this summer and even now as we sit going into December so if you're looking at where October approximately would be you're still at all-time highs so it's really again it's just quite incredible looking at what's happened in this market even with COVID now let's talk about the rental market because this is what most of us really care about more than anything there's an 11 a little bit over 11 percent decline in single-family rentals inventory is down there's two reasons for that number one not a lot of people are moving and number two not a lot of people are moving so you have to remember that if nobody's moving out of properties there's no properties to list for rent and then in addition to that if no one's moving into properties there's no leasing and then they're not vacating anywhere else so it's really a double-edged sword it's a dual problem you'll notice the decline in townhouse and condo rentals is a much lower decline now i attribute this to a few things number one there's a lot of apartment dwellers a lot of condo dwellers and i do think a lot of people are moving from the very dense high population apartments into townhouses and other type of similar multifamily setups that aren't quite as dense and so I do think more people are likely to be moving out of apartments and out of homes. You know, typically your people in homes are gonna be very well qualified, at least across the board if you run, you know, a gambit average. Whereas in apartments, you may have people that are more likely to be moving more frequently, living month to month, lower income jobs. So we don't tend to see the shortage in that market. There is also a huge influx of apartments and things being built. And so there's tons of units coming available. And so there's a lot of inventory feeding that market. And so even if it was down, the new inventory is helping to really correct some of that. Now, the average single family rent is down about five and a half percent. That's an average of 1882. I don't want you to look at that and be concerned. I want you to look at the average rent of 1882 and think, holy moly, that's expensive because it is and so i think we actually went a little bit over in some of the numbers that these statistics are using of what the actual market value is and then if we look at the average rent for townhomes and condos we're actually up so the average of that multifamily individually owned is 1674 so again very very high rents approximately 10 percent of tenants we see struggling and this is a, a statistic not coming from anywhere else this is coming from me we are seeing about 10 percent of our tenants who are still in one way or another struggling and that could be because they're trying to take advantage of a lot of opportunities that are open for tenants to not have to pay it could be because they lost their job and they had a break before they got unemployment it could be that their new job is paying less there's a lot of things that factor into this but generally if your tenant has lost their job they're getting unemployment and if they're getting unemployment they're actually making in a lot of cases more than what they were making before so in theory if everyone does what they're supposed to do tenants who are making less than forty thousand dollars a year should be made whole or better than whole if they merely lost their job but of course that's not the way the world works and so what we've seen is as we see every year people overspend around the holidays and so delinquencies are still there we're still doing a lot of payment plans we're still doing a lot of evictions we're seeing about 10 percent that are actually struggling so just kind of give you some updated numbers there and that's not a houston statistic that's what we're seeing just across the entire state i don't have a way to break out just one city 
Now, let's talk about employment growth, because I did talk about a lot of the people moving here, but it's not just the people moving here, it's employers moving here. You can't turn on the news without seeing some company talking about leaving California or New York. And obviously us in Florida are getting the vast majority of them. And so Hewitt Packard, Great Lakes Dredge and Dock, ABB Robotics, and the list just goes on and on and on. And so there has been just incredible growth. And one of the things that you're gonna notice here is this is not all energy sector. And so this goes back to exactly what I was talking about, about the diversification of the sectors here in Houston and how that's giving some stability to the market despite energy sector downturns. Now let's talk about the employment market that comes from all this employment. Going into COVID, so as of 2019, unemployment rate was about three and a half percent which is really incredible when you think about it. And it definitely played a role in how they've been able to rebound. So Houston ranked first among US cities where paychecks stretch the furthest and it's home to the second largest concentration of fortune country, uh, companies in the country. They've got about 23 and Greater Houston did lose and I think this number is shy. I actually think the number is a little bit higher than this, but more than 350,000 jobs in the height of COVID between March and April. It's recouped about half of those right now, but I do want you to keep in mind that you've got a lot of people on unemployment and very limited requirements of them to be seeking new jobs. So, you know, when we look at job numbers, it's not just about open jobs, it's also about looking at who's been reemployed and everything else. And so, as I always say, take things with a grain of salt. You know, we get the information they want us to have. We don't necessarily know the implementation of all that information. So I have not seen or heard of a vast majority of tenants or really any tenants who lost their job and were unable to get unemployment and unable to get a new job. So there's just not a lot of that happening. There's, there's been a lot of protections put in place and things that have been done. It's a lot of people who got behind because of a delay or losing their job and having this temporary break and now they just are having trouble catching up. And that's really what we've been seeing. So if we look at some loss to income numbers, well, you can see it, it's pretty staggering. It's almost 50%. And in November, 2020, there was almost 26,000 jobs added back. And so we're continuing to see massive job growth and companies reopening. And that's a lot of it thanks to our fantastic governor who has said very clearly, he will not lock down Texas again. And he has stood by that, he has stood by that. And we've had a lot of cities that have tried to go around that and put their own restrictions in place. And they've fought every one of them. They've done everything they can do. And essentially we have remained open. And I think we will. I, I really do trust that Texas is not gonna allow the shuttering of businesses to happen again. There's a lot of arguing still going on about bars and gyms and other areas that they consider high risk. But at the end of the day, um, our state does remain open and our state is for the most part business as usual the one of the top economists did predict growth in all sectors in houston with the exception of energy and retail which we'll see i, I have a feeling under a change in presidency that we might start to see energy growth again because it does tend to happen with that that the prices start to go up and those things happen in the middle east but we'll see Obviously, none of us ever wish for war or anything like that in the Middle East, but I do. I think the world is just on a brink right now. And I talked about this a year ago. For those of you that watched and remember, I made my predictions and I said this was going to be a year of chaos. And unfortunately, I think 2021 is probably going to be a year of chaos again, but for different reasons. But I do think that the market is going to go insane. I do believe that. And I certainly hope that's accurate. 
Now, on average, Greater Houston has added about 60,000 jobs in recent years. So the comeback that we're seeing of the jobs lost is, is pretty significant for you know, 25,800 in a month. Now, here's a few charts that you can look at. Uh, so on the left here, we've got the Metro Houston forecast. This is the projected job gains and losses for December 20 to December 21. So this is what they're expecting to happen. On the upper right, you'll see regional unemployment rates as of October 20. So this is giving you an idea of where we stand now. You'll notice that your areas that are more dependent on tourism and closer to the ocean are struggling more than your inland areas that are very strong and doing well. And then finally, you can look at the bottom right and see the Metro Houston job growth and see how this compares as we go through this cycle and period of time. So you'll notice that big red drop that happened in April. And then you'll notice the rebound starting in May, June, August dropped quite a bit, and then September and October massively picked up again. And then as we've noted, November was high as well. So I do feel like we're on the right track. I feel like Houston has done very well. We are seeing in the rental market a bit of longer days on market than I'd like to see, but it is also off season. And so that certainly does play a role and a lot of people don't have the money to move right now. So there's a lot of great things that you can do as a landlord to try to help incentivize people to rent your property. Of course, having the great looking property at the right price is important, but also it's about ensure that if you're in an area where income is harder hit or you've got a lot of lower income individuals, using things like Rhino deposit insurance or move-in benefits, whether it's free rent or things like that, all of those things can help offset that. But at the end of the day, we're about 60 days out from the start of prime season. So I expect that we're going to continue to see a lot of growth and change, especially as all the chaos of this election is left behind us. And we can go back to, you know, all living our lives and God willing with the vaccine that allows us to go back to doing that. So that is the update as of today. And again, we've got a class next week and really every week for the next couple of months. I am gonna be doing a post-election class on what to expect in the real estate market, 1031 exchange and taxes as it pertains to real estate. That's tentatively scheduled for a couple of weeks from now. We'll see where we are. Um, as long as everything is crystal clear of what's gonna happen, we're gonna go ahead and do the class. If things continue on the path they're on right now and there's a lot of chaos, I might postpone it a couple of weeks because I don't wanna teach a bunch of information that might not be accurate a week or two after. So if, if everything moves forward and everything's on the same path, then we'll do that class. And then one other thing I'm going to do is a COVID update. And this is gonna be a Texas market-wide update talking about what we're seeing and where we are about 60 days from now. I'm gonna give it a little bit of time. You know, DFW has had a massive number of vaccines. So for those of you that aren't aware, a lot of the trials happened here in Dallas and a lot of the people that got the first round were here and there were just a ton of doses here. I think Texas has almost 2 million something doses slotted. And so anyway, we're, we've got a lot of it. And so I think we're gonna to start to see cases dropping. I think we're gonna to start to see things stabilizing. And then what I wanna do is I wanna look at where the market is going into prime season because a lot of us are gonna be in a position right now of what do we do? And you know, I'm not gonna take anything political, but if we do have control of the House, the Senate and the presidency going to a group that wants to disband 1031 exchanges and we get to a point where that might be happening or where cap gains is gonna increase, then a lot of us are gonna have a decision to make. You know, I, me and I'm sure many of you have been sitting on assets that have a lot of equity 
and we really haven't done a lot with it, even though we know we should. And so we're going to have decisions to make. If cap gains are going to go up and 1031s potentially are going to go away, which I don't think they're going to be able to get that done, even if they have all three. I just don't think that's going to happen because so many of them make their money in real estate. I think it would be like shooting themselves. But is it possible? Yes. And so we're going to look at all of that. And I'm going to start some of that with the class going over what to expect post-election. And then we're going to continue it with the market update. And the goal is that we can all have the information we need to make a decision on what assets we need to go ahead and liquidate before the taxes become so prohibitive that we can't. So we'll see where we are. As always, I'll try to keep the most up-to-date information in front of you as it stands right now. I would say it looks like that there's going to be changes in, in the tax realm for us as real estate investors and some of the protections that we have right now just because of everything that's going on and the changes that they want to make. And so we'll embrace them with open arms and I'll bring you the information along with our CPA and attorney that will go over what to expect. And then from there, any changes that we need to tweak in our processes, we certainly will. It is my hope that 1031s remain strong and available to us. But if not, there are plenty of ways to build massive income with real estate, even without 1031 exchanges. So without any further questions, I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Let's pray for our country in light of everything going on right now. And hopefully we'll be able to do our class next week and see a much brighter future ahead. So again, everyone stay safe, have a wonderful week, and I will see you next week.